You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Go sit down, turn your ears on. This is for you, man. Not just for him, though. We'll get to that. There's a challenge in this scripture passage for all of us. Today, I'm full of emotion. Bishop Bruce and I have had conversations about this day, and he said to me the other month, this internship is an eternal reward for you. The places that Landon goes, the things that Landon does for kingdom work, you have stock in, Brett Kindig, for that for that, I'm eternally proud, for, proud of you as the bishop of the Evangelical Congregational Church. Continue to build his kingdom. This internship has been a whirlwind. It happened fast. And I want to thank you, Faith Church, for your support of it. I pray that we continue to have another one shortly. But that remains to be seen. More on that later, like weeks from now. Today, I, want to put, I put on the back of the bulletin a little humor that I found in the internet. And there is humor to be found. But as we remember, in humor, there can also be some truth. It's called the perfect pastor. It goes something like this. I'm only going to read portion of it because I'm on a time crunch. The pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. He condemns sin soundly and roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. till midnight and is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. He is 29 years old and has 40 years of experience. Above all, he is handsome. I have been called handsome. I, don't, I want that person to get their eyes checked, but I have had them. I've been called that. The perfect pastor is, has a burning desire to work with teenagers, and he spends most of his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to the church. He makes 15 home visits a day and always is in his office to be handy when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for church council and all of its committees. He never misses the meeting of any church organization and is also busy evangelizing the unchurched. Alas, I am not a perfect pastor. And Pastor Landon, I hate to break it to you, neither are you. So if we can't be the perfect pastor because of the sin that dwells us, what's the goal? Where do we aim? 
To those in the congregation this morning that may be feeling a sense of, finally, a sermon that has nothing to do with me. By the way, time out. A good pastor also remembers announcements when people give them to you. If you want leftovers from the breakfast, go downstairs after church and get them from Ellie. Um, I just remembered that in my head, and she said she was going to sit in the front pew and put the sign up. She did not. I forgot. Anyway, not a perfect pastor. To those in the congregation this morning that may be feeling, finally, a sermon that has nothing to do with me because I'll never be a pastor, hold that thought. (laughs) Hold that thought. I believe the Apostle Paul gives us the good, the bad, and the beautiful of ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me give you some background to this book. Paul is writing some, with some urgency here because he's facing something that we all will face someday, and that is death. The Apostle Paul is at the end of his life. He's quite a bit older than Timothy, and he wants Timothy to understand that this is very important information. But I want you to be clear on some things, and they're going to be on the screen in just a second here. I'm not even in the ballpark of the Apostle Paul. He's in that ballpark. I'm over here in right field in the bleachers. I want you to know two other things. That these are what, are on the, what will be on the screen. I know that I'm older, and I have 20-plus years of experience pastoring churches, and not that I always got that perfect. In fact, more times than not, I missed the mark. But God has been more than gracious. And even when people didn't forgive, he did. I know that on June the 2nd, 2021, I was awakened from a very intense surgery a day later than I was supposed to be. And when the person who woke me explained everything, I remember saying two things. Thank you, Jesus. And no more games, Jesus. It's time to take Faith Church to where she needs to be. And to be even more passionate about walking out your will for people's lives. Because you not only gave me a second chance, you gave me a third and fourth chance. Thank you, Lord. So here's what Paul says about being a pastor who is doing kingdom work, not a perfect pastor. Here's the good, the bad and the beautiful of ministry, the good audience of one. That's the good. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. See, ministry is about his presence not our presence. We are pushing people, sometimes pulling people unwillingly to the Savior, my brother Landon. It's never, and I mean never, about our presence, my friends. See, the beautiful thing about ministry is it will continue even when we are long gone. At least it should. Notice Paul's wording. It's rather strong here. Who's the judge of the ministry? The audience of one. It isn't the folks sitting in the sanctuary. Now, can they help? Absolutely. Can they speak life and sometimes death into you? You bet. But the issue whether you're doing the work of the kingdom isn't their call. Unless you're doing anti-biblical things. In which case you should be corrected and criticized. At that moment. But even the final word isn't their words. 
The final word is the one we are to report to. It's clearly Jesus Christ, according to Paul. Let me define a few words so we understand this a bit better. When Paul says that Christ is the judge of the living, those are people who will be alive at the time of the second coming. It's true. So those that are living when Jesus Christ comes back will be judged. Now, we, we tend to say, well, no, 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 no. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we're not judged. No, you're, you're held accountable for what you did or didn't do for Jesus. That's clear in Scripture. And then the dead, those are people who will be resurrected, those brothers and sisters who have passed away before us. That's their second coming. They will get their judgment again, accountability he will judge them all. For those who don't know Jesus Christ, it'll be a judgment of whether you go to heaven or hell. And for those who don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that judgment's already made for them. For those sitting here this morning, notice he doesn't say overseers will be judged. He does say later on in the scriptures, in fact, his brother, Jesus' brother, James, says very strictly that teachers... will be judged. But this is a wide open written passage, friends. This isn't just to Pastor Landon and myself, so please don't check out just yet. Again, unbelievers will be judged according to their eternal destiny. That's according to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Believers will be judged with an evaluation of works for the purpose of the recognition or reward. That's found in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Both of those say that we will be judged. We will be evaluated for the works of which we are either did or didn't do for Christ. The good includes the preaching of the good news. This is the second point under the first point. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, before we unpack this, let's be clear. The Apostle Paul would not define preaching as the things that I'm doing this morning. Just the things I'm doing this morning. So, he's calling Timothy to proclaim the word at all times. Whether there's a pulpit or a little music stand. Whether it's behind a desk, in your office, or it's out there in a business meeting. He's not asking us to be in a pulpit. He's asking us to consider preaching the word in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, and encourage people with great patience and careful instruction, pulpit or no pulpit. It's powerful. In case you're, in case you're wondering what word he's talking about here, what word we're to use, listen to it, preach the word, it's found in 1 Timothy 1.15, according to people who are smarter than I. Here's what 1 Timothy 1.15 says. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, Paul says. That's the word he once proclaimed. I was listening to another EC pastor last night online in a Saturday night service, and he said it this way. When we get to heaven, all we can simply answer, we can't answer that we deserve to get there. All we can simply say is the only reason I'm coming in is because you, God, were gracious to me. That's it. 
It wasn't because I did this ministry faithful. It wasn't because of this. It wasn't because of that. It's only based on his love for us. And that's what the Apostle Paul is challenging Timothy to in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He's saying, don't, just forget all the other stuff and let's get down to the basics. The basics are that Jesus Christ came into the world and why did he come into the world? To condemn the world? That's clear in John 3, 17, that it is not the truth of the re reason that he came into the world. He didn't come to kick a mother down. He came to save them of which Paul is saying, I am the worst of sinners and I can simply just stand behind Paul and say, amen. You want a ministry that, that desires Jesus Christ? You preach this message, Paul is saying. Don't get caught up in all the fanatical talk and all the other stuff. No, no, let's get back to the basics because that's where when, when people want you to get off the basics, it's because the basics convict. It's because the basics, the basics are hard to swallow. The fact that you can't earn your way there in America burns a lot of Americans. You mean if I read my Bible five minutes extra more than the next guy, I won't get a special blessing? You're right, you won't. Because it's not about you, folks. It's about what Jesus did for you, folks. But we want to make it about us, of which I'm the chief, don't we? And, and Paul starts this off by saying very clearly, listen, 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 let's set this standard right for the pastor. Let's set this standard right, Timothy. Your judge does not sit here this morning. Your judge is somewhere else. He is in heaven Because he's the only way you get there. Prepare it in season and out of season. In other words, press it home on all occasions. We don't like to hear this. Convenient or inconvenient. And here's what one commentary says. And I know it will stick like a lead balloon. Whether the hearer wants to hear it or not. Preach it in season and out of season. And when people tell you to shut up about it, preach it even louder. It's not calling us to be jerks about it. But it is calling us to remember that only God through the works of Christ and the Holy Spirit can change hearts. It's the only way. I can't change hearts. You can't change hearts, Pastor Landon. No one can change hearts other than Jesus, his Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Correct. Here's what correct means. It corrects error by the use of reasoned arguments. What are those reasoned arguments? It's not by intellect. It's by knowing this. 
correcting people using this. Because here's, here's the only standard that doesn't change. My standard changes. And, and I'll be completely honest with you. My standard changes for people on leadership here. Or they changes for other people. And it goes like this. Sometimes it's down here. Sometimes it's up there. Sometimes it's down here. Sometimes it's up there. There's only one that keeps it level, and it's him. People's standards change for their pastor. Sometimes it's down here. Sometimes it's up here. Sometimes it's right here. Sometimes it's over there. Sometimes it's over here. The only one that stays level is right here. So we don't correct on what we think. We correct on what he says. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy, a younger pastor. Because when we correct when we think, it changes. So I could think this tomorrow, and it could totally change what I was thinking today when I corrected you. And now, well, which one is it, Pastor Brett? But this never changes. My thoughts change. My education changes. My thoughts change every time I read a book. This never changes. And so we correct with this. We rebuke with this. And we rebuke drifting morality whenever the need appears. And boy, has this one took a gut punch lately. Drifting morality seems to be the new thing in Christianity. Because this no longer has the punch that it once had. I literally just sent this text to my mom, so Lori, be ready. You're going to get this text someday. I don't even know why I stand on the truth, Mom. There are churches all around me that are doing what they want to do and don't really care to stand on the truth. And it's hard. Because some days I just want to give in. My heart to yours, Landon. It's hard. When you stand on what you think is the correct way and what the Bible stands as the correct way and others seem to just say, eh, well, take it or leave it. It's hard. Encourage the faint-hearted in all they do and give hope in the faith face of discouragement. Remember the hope can only be found in the work of Christ spoke about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Again, it's only in salvation in Christ. That's the only hope that we have. Then Paul says, do all these, do all these with great patience and careful instruction. Okay, this one also hit me between the eyes this past week, specifically over the last two years. I just heard of an article from someone who worked at Apple, and this is what they said. And I cleaned it up a little bit for the pulpit this morning because I didn't think I could get away with saying what it actually said. You'll figure it out. 
The more you tick people off, the more they'll pay attention to what you have to say. From Apple. Their whole grand scheme of things is, let's tick people off, let's say things that are shocking, let's get them all ticked off, because then they'll pay attention to what I have to say. Unfortunately, friends, that should not be in the church, but it is quickly spilling into the church culture. Because we all have a belief. And we all have hills that we're willing to die on. And some of them are hills that should not be willing to die on. And we are. This past week I also had lunch with the church health consultant of the EC Church. Not this week, last week, whatever, yeah. Doesn't matter sat at the table and I said to him, you know, as I get older, and I know I'm relatively on the younger side, but not as young as Pastor Landon, I'm learning that there are hills that I used to die on that I just don't want to die on anymore. Unbeknownst to him that I was even preaching this message, he says, you know, 1 Timothy 1.15 says about the only hill that you should be willing to die on. Salvation. It comes to anything else in this entire building, in this entire place. Not worth it. Because salvation is the only thing that's going to matter when he calls the trumpet home. Pastor Landon, please take breathers. Understand that all of your youth leaders and congregation members are experiencing things in their own lives. And so what sometimes appears to be something aimed at you is not always the case. And so breathe, my friend. Breathe. Trust me, one of the things I've been doing over the past several months is just stepping back and going, and letting the Holy Spirit work in my heart. That's the only way we can do what we are commanded to do by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But here comes the bad part of ministry, the bad. People turn from the truth. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This is a stern chain charged by the Apostle Paul. He, he, he kind of amps it up because even in his day, he can see people beginning to, beginning to. He can only imagine how much worse it will get over the years. Paul then describes what, his, what this will look like by giving us three characteristics of a restless craving for something new, not better, but something new. Here they are. Number one, when these things happen, listeners would no longer put up with sound doctrine. They won't. Here's what that means in not so many direct words. Wholesome teaching, anything sticking to the scriptures is out. Done. 
Literally, people will find their content and their demands of the gospel in other places. They don't care to hear it from this book, and they certainly don't care to hear it from some man who says he's preaching this book. And the reason they don't is because the demands of the gospel are disagreeable to them. It breaks my heart. Jesus doesn't put the demands on the gospel because he wants to break us. He puts the demands on the gospel because he loves us oh so much that he wants us to be his disciple. Unfortunately, what people have done in our culture is, is that they have said it. That it's, that it's the demands are there to break us. And what they do when they say that is basically take John 3, 16 through 18 and rip it out of their Bibles. Because Christ did not come to condemn. He came to love the world to himself. And because I love Freddie and because I love Serenity and because I love Michelle, I want the best for them. Why would God be any different? They will pack pulpits with those who will only tell them what they want to hear and not challenge them. That's what they'll do. They will do all of this because their ears need itching. Now let me read directly from the New American Commentary on this one because this one everybody always gets all fussy about. And here's what it says. These kind of people have a desire to dabble with novelty. They covet new, fashionable ideas and long for the excitement of having their ears tears by the, teased by the satisfying, harmless mumbling of fake learning. These speakers toy with their minds, but leave the mind and heart unchallenged in any way, shape, or form. It means they don't look at them and say, listen, Christ requires you, asks you, loves you to be different. They stop short of that. Please understand this, folks. Paul is talking here to believers. That yes, even when you know Jesus, the temptation is real not to go deeper. It's a real temptation. In verse 4 are the results of such ear-itching itching issues. Here's the two results. They'll be on the screen as well. Listeners turn away from hearing the truth of the gospel. They turn aside, literally a medical term, meaning ripping a limb out of joint to myths, religious errors that become prevalent when you listen to whatever your ears desire instead of the truth of the gospel. That's the warning of the Apostle Paul. That's the bad of ministry. People turn to whatever they want to turn. I mentioned earlier that I was out to lunch. One of the places that he likes to go, the church consultant, church health consultant, <laughs> this is kind of funny, the church health consultant likes to go to the Chinese buffet. All right? He's the church health consultant, not a health consultant, all right? So he likes to go to the China buffet. So we went to the China buffet. You know, that's what Paul's kind of giving here. 
We like to little, take a little bit of the crab of the Muslim faith, take a little bit of the salad of the Hindu faith, take a little bit of this, of New Age faith, and let's just throw a little jello in there of uh, anything that we want. And you got the church. Apostle Paul says they do it at such speed. They do it at such speed. It's not even like, it's not even a gradual. All of a sudden it just happens. And they all, they, it's like they rip their limbs out of socket. It goes so fast. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody's like limbs break. I was at a basketball tournament when I was a kid in, 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 in college. I was a kid in college, and I, and I was at a three-on-three tournament, and we had a dunking contest, and I watched a guy's leg literally break in half when he went up for a dunk. It's not the most pleasant thing that you ever want to see. But what the Apostle Paul is using is, is as fast as that leg snapped, People who have itching ears will turn to whatever and whenever they want to turn from the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ because they just can't swallow it anymore. And I'm not going to say any more than this, but I feel the need to say this. It's happening here, folks. Not here, here, but here, folks. We're not talking about things that are happening in Indiana and Washington and California. That's what I hear all the time. All those things happen in those other states. Folks, wake up. It's happening here. That's why I sent the text to my mother. And unless you grab a hold of this and go all in, it'll be like breakneck speed. You'll be following myths and teachings. Because your ears will desire to hear those. But then we get to the beautiful. we got to end on a good note. The beautiful of working, of, of ministry. And here's the beautiful. Working on you and working together. The Apostle Paul concludes with these words in verse 5 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Just excuse me, discharge all the duties of your ministry. The beautiful ministry is found in the messiness of ministry. Sorry, Landon. (laughs) I wish I could tell you it's found in the beautiful of ministry. I wish I could tell you it's found in the great times of ministry. No, the, the beautifulness of ministry is found when things start to get messy. When your arms are getting in the mud, It's hence why many do not experience the beautiful ministry because just when it starts to get messy, I'm out. 
your head in all situations. This is present tense, which means you need to continually do it. It's not going to just happen. It's not going to always happen. And trust me, you're going to fail. But look for false teaching. Keep an eye on your flock. Make sure things are correctly taught. Be vigilant. And even when you get into a bit of a scuffle over it, keep doing it. It's that important. People won't see it. They won't understand it. They will question why you're questioning. But I'm telling you, keep doing it, Landon. Don't stop. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Ministry is not easy. There are struggles that will come from it. Endure it. Don't give up on it. Trust me, the thought will cross your mind. I remember another intern who was here, a pastor who came to help and do some things, and he was a lot older than you, and he once said to me, you know, Pastor Brett, I've written my resignation letter 30 times, printed it out, ripped it up, threw it in the trash can. I thought, what kind of nut are you? Not anymore. It's messy. It hurts, and it hurts the people you love, too. Keep your head on who it needs to be on. See, people think taking shots at you is just okay until you come home to Rachel who's bawling because you took a shot that day it's messy it's messy keep your head in all situations endure hardship Go after it, because in the hardship, you will grow. That's the beautiful thing. I'm not even talking about everybody else in this room. The beautiful thing is, is that the more hardship that happens, the more I grow. That's a great thing. I need to continue working on me, and that has nothing to do with how others respond. It's about me and my relationship with Christ. Do the work of an evangelist. In other words, keep telling people 1 Timothy 1.15. Keep doing it. And last, discharge all the duties of your ministry. In other words, be faithful to what you were called to do and fulfill it. Pastor Landon, you can love to preach and teach. But the better question is, and this is a question that I have to answer every Sunday morning, and you will too, or maybe not Sunday morning for you, but Wednesday nights. Do you love the people you preach to? See, I can love to preach the word, but if I don't love the people I preach to and care about them, that they would actually take the word and apply it to their lives, then I am like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm just clanging the cymbal. Boom, boom. That cymbal, I'm not going to play it. But I'm just a clanging cymbal. Shut that thing up. To be a shepherd, to be a pastor, you must not just love to preach, you must love the people you preach to. And for those who have 
breathed easy the entire time saying, wow, glad I'm not a pastor. It's true. Much of what Paul says is to leaders. But I want to leave you with something. It's something that someone left me with, Bishop Bruce and others left me with when I was in their presence. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. I want you to see this. And this is something we can do as a congregation. Me too. Because sometimes I don't like what the denomination is doing, and I have to remind myself that this is a part of this. Listen to this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now that's whatever. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. So yeah, stop emailing, Bishop. So I want him to serve joyfully. Not that I don't still talk to him, but I talk to him differently. This is the desire of the culture of a healthy congregation. Now, now let me be clear. It doesn't mean we don't disagree. But here's how it was defined to me by Bishop and others. Unity in the church is not not disagreement. Unity in the church is understanding that what's best for the church is best for the kingdom of God. So in other words, if I sit in a meeting and I think the vote ought to be yes and it's no, I have to understand that's the best for the kingdom of God. That's the unity that is talked about throughout Scripture. But what we have twisted it to be in America is, is that it means we always have to say yes. It's not at all true. It's not at all true. Unity is being able to say no even when we want a yes. Still loving the people that you preach to enough to come to the job the next Sunday. That's unity. Pastor Landon. We can do our best to bring this all about, but we cannot force it, shove it, or anything there close to that. There must be an opening work of the Lord through the Holy Spirit, my friend. May God bless you and strengthen you. May you remember this calling, and may we all remember this calling as we walk from this day forward. The Apostle Paul was not writing when he had 7,500 years left in his life. You want to know what a man really stands for? Listen to what he says when he's about to meet his maker. You just did. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit where Paul knows his last breath is just inches away. He says, Pastor Landon, Pastor Brett, Faith Church, preach the word in season and out of season. Pastor Brett, Pastor Landon, Faith Church, don't give in to itching ears. That's what the Apostle Paul says.
And I, like the Apostle Paul in another book, say this, I have not obtained this. I am nowhere close to grabbing a hold of this, but I am a growing person. And let me leave you with this one final word. It's not even in my, but it just popped in my head. And this is this. Rick Warren says these words. If you want to stop being a leader, Pastor Landon, stop being a learner. Even when the seminary degrees are over and when people are saying to you, maybe you should go get a doctorate. And you say, there is no way I'm getting a doctorate. You are still learning from people. You're still becoming a better person. Because when you stop learning, you will stop leading. It's that simple. And so keep learning. Keep growing. Learn from tough situations. Keep your head in them. And endure the hardships. They'll be well worth it someday. Someday when you look at your father and your father says... And I'm not talking about your earthly father, although he will say it too. Well done. Well done. You've been faithful to the cause. Haven't always got it right, but you've been faithful to the cause. That's the call of Jesus on our hearts this morning. Let's close in a word of prayer together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the for the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Thank you that at the end of his life, he was able to pen these words that, that challenge each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you for the things that I've been through. Thank you for the things that Pastor Landon's been through. Thank you for the things that we have all been through that have made us stronger, that have, that have, that have guided our relationship with you even when, when we didn't necessarily see it as that. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that is perfect, not me. Thank you, Lord, that when I get to heaven someday and Pastor Landon and others here get to heaven someday, we have nothing to stand on. We can simply just look at you and say, Lord, it's only by your grace that we even get to enter this place. It's not about me. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in this day and age where itching ears seem to be getting more and more time. Help us to remain faithful to the word, even when we're unpopular because we do, even when we're misrepresented because we do, even when we're called things because we do. Help us to have that resolve, to hold on and see it through. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's stand and sing to God be the glory closing today. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 